Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. We are concluding our series, Friends, that we've been talking about going through First John. At the beginning, it's been an, uh, uh, an important part of my just focus to help us understand that what Jesus came to establish was a relationship that was close, that was very engaging, and that this relationship with Jesus is not about forgiveness. It's about friendship, that forgiveness is the roadway to the friendship. But if we stop at the fact that, oh, yes, I'm forgiven, God loves me, he forgave my sins, you're missing the heart of what the gospel is about because it is not just about forgiveness, it's about relationship. It's about entering into that dynamic relationship with a living God. And just the, the thought of a living God is a little bit mind-boggling. Because let's face it, if God is something that you can conceive of mentally, then it's not really God. The truth about God is that he is bigger and beyond what we can conceive. And anything less than that really is a form of idolatry. It's our conception. It's our thoughts about God. And so God is greater, but how do we then worship something that is beyond our ability to truly conceive? And then we have Jesus who is an evidence, the imprint, the, the actual representation of the invisible God stamped into human flesh. And, and John, who is writing this epistle, also wrote the Gospel of John, and he talked about being the one whom Jesus loved, and he got to see how Jesus acted, the things Jesus did, the things Jesus said, how Jesus interacted with people, with the Pharisees, with children, with sinners. And John was so moved that after all his time with Jesus, he would say, this is God. That the relationship was so impacting on his life 
But then he also says that this is the friendship that we have. And so that's what we've been talking about through this series and why we've entitled it Friends. And so open to 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 13. 1 John 5, we're going to read verses 13 through 15. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Yesterday I was doing a lesson, dog training in Long Beach. And as I was driving back home, I saw a billboard for the lottery, and it said like $122 million, you know, jackpot or something like that. And I don't know about you, but every now and then I just start thinking, $122 million, wow, what could you do with $122 million? How much money is that $122? I mean, just say that you actually got $122 million and they didn't take any taxes out, even though they do. You know, how much would that be? Okay, well, I could split it up over the 20 years. Yeah, it would take 20 years, you know, $122 million over 20 years. And what would that be a week? Not that I figured all these things out, but it would be $117,000 a week for 20 years. I don't know about you, but that just toys with my mind, right? Every Monday, here's your check for $117,000. What am I going to do today? And you start thinking, you know, what, what are you going to do with that kind of money? I mean, yeah, I could pay off my bills. That wouldn't be a problem. You know, I, I would fix my home. Up. Forget fix my home. I'm selling the home. I'm getting a new home, right? I could fix the truck up. Forget that. The truck, what? No, I'll donate that to science or something, you know. I, I'm going to, to get a new vehicle and I'm going to help pay for my kids' education. And, and you got all these things that go through your mind. If you had this money, what would you do with this money? And then I started researching what happens to people who win the lottery, right? And, and it's mixed. There are some people who do okay, but most of them don't. Most of them within a few years are broke again. And you think, what? I mean, people who've won like $600 million and in seven years they have no money. And you think, I could never do that. But that's what happens, you see, because there's something different when you have to work and earn and, and you acquire money the way that most of us have to by stepping into that, working hard, than if it's just dropped in your lap. And then I started thinking, okay, if I could do and have all this money and do whatever I wanted with it, is what I'm doing with it just for me? And as I was going over this verse and I started reading that he writes these things to those who believe in the name of Son of God so that you might know that you have eternal life. So there is this security. You can have this assurance that you belong to God, that the life of God is now the life that is inside of you. And he goes on, he says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we hear us, if he hears us, then we have the things that we've asked of him. It's like more than winning the lottery. 
But there's this little phrase in there, according to his will, right? It's like, is it God's will that I buy the Ferrari? And then I start thinking about if I can do anything I want with my life, am I really wanting to do the things that make the world better, make others better, the things that God would do, or am I doing the things that Sam would do, the things that I want to do? And and what does he mean according to his will? How do I know if God is so vast and God is so big, how can anyone know what the will of God is? Is it the will of God that they're healed from cancer? Is it the will of God that I get that job? Is it the will of God that I buy that car? Is it the will of God? And you can fill in the blanks. How do you know when God is so vast what his will is? And it can be troubling. John talked about this in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Verses 13 and 14, he said, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, Jesus speaking, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Again, there's this kind of like, wow, this open door, but then you have this term, in my name. What does that mean? Ask in my name, because this is very similar to asking the will of God. Ask in Jesus' name, ask in the will of God. They're really synonymous. You see, whatever you would ask would be the same thing that Jesus would ask. So what you're asking is actually the same thing that Jesus would ask. In his name is as if he did it. It would be as if you went to my mom's house and said, hey, Sam told me, that he wanted you to take care of my cat. My mom would say, Sam doesn't like cats, so I don't think that's true. That's not in his name. You see, but if you went to my mom, she actually probably still would take care of your kick my calf, you know my mom. But if you went to my mom and you said, yes, yeah, Sam said that I could use your phone to make a call because I'm trying to, to get this job she would probably say, oh, well, come on in. Why? Because it would be as if I was there saying, hey, mom, can you let them make this phone call? Because she's my mom and you're going in my name, she would do that to you as if it was me going there with you. And so this idea of in Jesus's name has this idea of Jesus is there with you and you go with Jesus and say, um, this is what we want to ask of you, God, that you would do this. And so now this idea of whatever we want is under this umbrella of the character of of Jesus himself, who we have a lot more understanding about than the concept of just a God who is beyond our ability to conceive. But this idea of the character of Jesus is something that starts to, to compel us to understand what it is God is wanting to do. You see, I fear that what happens so many times in our lives is this relationship with an extremely inconceivable God becomes one that is very detached, where we pray about things and we ask things of God as if, God, I want you to do this, and God, can you do this, and God, will you do this? And and we don't think of it as 
a friend that we have that we would go to and we would talk with and we would ask of those things. You see, when you have a friend who you're close to, you don't just ask them for whatever. Hey, can I have your car? Why? Because they're your friend. They need the car too. If you ask, can I borrow your car? Well, that might be in line with the relationship. You see, the friendship governs the relationship and the things that you talk about. Because you want to be a friend with them, you don't just demand things of them or ask things that are not considerate of who they are. But how many times do we ask things of God without a consideration really of who he is, what his character is, or what his desire is? It's more of what we want, what's going to be beneficial for us than what he wants and it's going to be beneficial for him, his concern and his agenda in the world than it is for us and our agenda in the world. And I'm guilty of this. And so I assume you are too, just by proxy, okay? I'm throwing my guilt on you. It makes me feel better. What can I say? We tend to forget the relationship that we are involved in that Jesus, it's his name, it's his desire that we are asking for. It is according to his will, the things that he would ask for. And so this whole understanding of where we're moving and what we're being moved into, it, it stems from the Gospel of John, what we talked about in John 15, verses 12 through 17, where Jesus says, my command is this. This is what I want for you. This is in my name. This is God's will, that you love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Why is it because I have to do I have to earn your friendship? No, you have to understand this friendship comes with the responsibility of a friendship. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. The one who is beyond our ability to be conceived has been made understandable in a slight way through the incredible incarnation and magnificent revelation of Christ himself. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I have learned from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, there it is again, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love one another. And so here is a winning lottery ticket. Here is this open door. Whatever you ask in my name, according to my will, I will give to you. What is his will? What is his desire? What is his command? What is he wanting to see accomplished? What am I going to do with this invitation? 
with this relationship that engages me to participate with the living God in the character of Christ with you, with my family, with my friends. What are we going to do with this relationship? James would tell us that we have not but because we ask not. And we have not because we ask amiss to consume it on our own desires. See, I think so many times we are consumed with ourselves so much that our desires are like that lottery ticket. If I had the money, I would pay off this. I would buy this. I would get this. Oh, yeah, I'd help this person. I'd give a little bit to this. But it really ends up being something that we use for our life. And we don't think about, man, what could we do for the kingdom of God if we had all this resource available to us? And here's the resource you have. If you ask anything according to his will, he'll give it to you. You see, the kingdom of heaven is waiting for the people of God's kingdom to move this forward. And we don't need the money. We need the hearts. We need the character. We need the relationship that is committed to the person of Christ so that we can go out in his name and do the things that Jesus himself would do. Have you ever had a moment where there's just this awakening? It's like things that were blind to you before all of a sudden are open to you. And you're just like, man, I didn't see that. I didn't know that that was the case. I remember when I was starting to go out with my wife, Kareem. I liked her. I knew that. The question is, does she like me back, right? That's like, how do you know? And so you play it cool, you play it easy, you don't want to put all your cards down right away because, you know, it's like, I'm in love with you, oh, I want to be friends, okay, I'm sorry, you know, and then you go crawl in a hole and die, right? And, and so you're just kind of, hey, you want to go get something to eat? Yeah, she said yes, okay, that, that's a good sign, that's a good sign, right? And, and I remember one day we went out and got something to eat and afterwards we said goodbye and we gave each other a hug goodbye. Ooh. This hug lasted a little longer than just a normal hug. This was the kind of hug where if she didn't like me, it would be awkward and it would be uncomfortable. Now, I really liked the hug. It was a good hug. And she stayed and seemed to like it too. And for me, it was uh, an awakening. She likes me. She likes me. I'm going to stay here a while. Wow, she really likes me. Okay. Bye, I'll see you later. And there was an understanding, oh my gosh, she feels something for me too. And there was this understanding of the relationship was there. I I think of Jacob when he he went to sleep and he laid his head down on that rock for a pillow and he saw a, a, a ladder going from heaven with the angels ascending and descending. And he says, surely God was in this place and I was not aware of it. God was always there. He was just blind to it. And you see, we are in a relationship with the living God where he is saying, ask, please ask. It is my desire to give you the kingdom, not the Ferrari, not even necessarily the good health, but the kingdom. 
And sometimes we are so blinded by the things that we want that we don't see the things that are according to his will. And there needs to be an awakening. There needs to be an understanding that the will of God is this open door that is there. It is this lottery ticket with the winning numbers that we can ask whatever we want in his name. And we could see heavens open for the things that God wants to do. And he does it through you and through me. This is the opportunity. This is what it's like to be friends with Jesus and with God. Now, as we just read, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And I thought, no greater way to celebrate this friendship this morning than in communion. That's why you came in here. You saw all the tables. It's so much fun watching you guys looking at the stuff. What's this? Everyone's all like, oh, you know, going on. This is our opportunity to connect with his name and with each other because it's his desire that we love one another. And so what I want for you all to do is to go to a table. There's, I believe, eight chairs at each table. I think there's enough. If not... You can circle some chairs around and we have some more elements in back. So I want you to, to take some time and go to these tables right now. And then I'll lead you through the next steps as we go there. But you can pick your friends. Hey, pick some strangers. Go with someone you don't know. Come on. And here's what I want you to do. There's two questions on your table. The first question is something that I want you to meditate on. This isn't something you're going to say out loud. We're going to have a time where we're going to pause and it's going to be quiet. We're going to take a couple of minutes and it's going to seem like an eternity to you. The first 30 seconds is going to be just you worrying about thinking about the silence and what you're going to be doing. And then I want you to actually settle down and do what the question says. The question is, what do you think Jesus would like to see develop in you? What is God wanting to do in your life? And your friend Jesus, as we just heard, is saying that you can ask anything in my name. What does that mean? What do you have to do to be in line with the name of Jesus? What does Jesus want to develop in your life? Lord, I pray that as we ponder this question, that it'll be an opportunity for you to speak. May we quiet our hearts. May we quiet our souls. Father, may we be still enough to hear your words speak to our lives. What would you want to develop within us? Take some time and let's pray for that. Does Jesus want to develop your character? What characteristics? Does he want you to be more generous? more compassionate? Does he want to develop your boldness, your witness for him to others? Who does Jesus want you to be? He's going to tell you before he tells anyone else. Now we want to move to the second question. This is, what do you think Jesus would like to see happen 
in your world. When I say your world, I mean the world that you interact with. Your work, your school, family, friends. And this one I want you to talk with each other about. If you have an idea of what you think Jesus would like to see happen. In other words, if Jesus was at your table, he would say, I would like to see this take place. Share with each other what you think. There's no right or wrong answer. And I want you to share with each other the things that you are impressed that you believe Jesus would like to see happen in your world and the world around you. Go ahead and talk with one another. Okay, let let me ask you a question. As you've been talking about what you think Jesus would like to do in the world around you, the question is, who is going to do that work? In John 14, just earlier from what we read, He says, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So these things that you were talking about of what you think Jesus would like to see done in the world around you, you are the one who is going to do those works. You probably knew that. At least I hope you did. If not, you're like, what? (laughs) But this is the wonderful news. You see, when he says that you'll do these works and greater works because I'm going to my Father. He is telling you that I'm not leaving you alone, that I'm actually going to my Father, and we know that it was to give us the Spirit so that we would be able to do these works. Because this friendship is so close that we are now united and we are one with Him. Before you are the elements, we have the the grape juice and we have the bread. We are going to celebrate communion together. But do you understand what this means? Communion is a union, this common union with God. It is this fellowship, this koinonia. It is this connecting with who he is in the deepest level. And just like the the bread and the the wine would bring sustenance to your body, God brings that to your soul. He enables you to live this life because He is our life and He has given us of Himself. And His very Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is now giving life to your bodies, to us. So that the things that you said Jesus wants to do, you can do those things and more. And so what we're going to do here with the elements, someone can take that and pour the juice into the cups. And then you can each get a piece of the bread that is there in the bowl in front of you. And as you're taking this, I want you to remember that those things that Jesus wants to do, this is Him telling you, you now are going in my 
name. What I want for you is showing up even now as being represented by this cup and by this bread. Does everyone have the cup? I'm going to join you guys. Let's pray together. Lord, just as you are greater than we can fully understand, this task of doing your will can seem greater than our ability. But Lord, we are not alone in this. Not only do we have one another, but we have your very spirit. And Lord, we remember the friendship that you initiated. We remember that you have called us and you have paid the price so that we could come before you with confidence that if we ask anything according to your will, that you hear us. And if you hear us, we have the request that we ask. Lord, it is our desire to do your will, to go in your name. And it is because of what you've done that we're able to do so. And we take this bread, Lord. It is a representative of your body that was broken for us. And we partake together. Let's partake of the bread. Lord, you said that this cup is the New Testament, the new covenant, that your blood was poured out for us, Lord, that we are qualified to go in your name because you have made that possible. Lord, I pray that from this morning forward, we would recognize what is available to us if we will go in your name, if we will ask according to your will, if we will take up what this cup represents. Lord, your authority given to us, your forgiveness given to us so that we could represent you to the world around us. We partake together in your name, Jesus. Let's partake of the cup. I wanted to do things a little differently to try and awaken our senses to how important this is. You know, they sat and they ate together. That was communion. It wasn't just, here's a cup, here's a cracker, we did our our thing. They actually interacted with one another because that's the friendship that Jesus brings. I encourage you, this morning, maybe go out with the people at your table. Maybe break down some walls and get to know some of the people who are your brothers, who are your sisters. Those things that you talked about of what you think that Jesus would like to do in your world, maybe together you can help those things to become a reality. You don't need permission. You've been given permission from Jesus himself to see these things take place and recognize that what God wants isn't servants. 
He wants friends who will go in his name and accomplish his will. And he calls you his friends. Do you guys enjoy this morning? Okay, I hope it's helpful to us. Let's close in a time of worship to the Lord. For you who know the Son of God, may you know that you have eternal life. And may you know that whatever you ask in His name, according to His will, that He will give it to you. And so now go out in the name of Jesus. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.